today. We have two scriptures, one from the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John, and uh, we're going to be reading verses 12 through 15, and then I will read from the first book of John, verse 5. Hear now the word of the Lord. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered them, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, because I know where I came from, and I know where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for it is not I alone who judges, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf and the Father who sent me. He said to them, Where is your Father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not come. And now from the first chapter of John, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. The word of the Lord. Well, this teaching of Jesus came right after he had he had been in the temple courts, as was his Custom when he was in Jerusalem, he t- went to the temple and he used to s- usually sat outside the temple on the steps there where he could talk to the people. And he had been speaking to them when the Pharisees brought to him a woman who had been caught in adultery. And they said, What do you think of this woman? What should we do with her? It's interesting they didn't bring the man she was caught with, but just her. And they were hoping that he would would say, stone her, for she has broken the law. But he looked at them and he said, who of you without sin cast the first stone? And they all kind of didn't say anything. Um, And he turned to the woman and said, your sins are forgiven. And he sent her away. Well, this upset the Pharisees greatly, as you can imagine. He did not fulfill their expectations. He did not follow the law, and they were not happy. So that's where we pick up today. He is still in the temple courts. He has not left. He is very much aware of what the Pharisees are thinking at this point in time. And so he gives his discourse on light. 
Um, this is the only place that Jesus talks about light in the Gospels. It's a very short passage. He only refers to himself as the light in this one place. John refers to him as the light several places in his Gospel and in his letters. But this is really the only place we see Jesus as the light of the world. And so today we're going to kind of focus on light. Now we've talked about light before. It was one of the themes during Advent. We talked about the light shining in the darkness and guiding us on to the Savior. But I wanted to try a little experiment with you all today. I want you all, wherever you're sitting, to close your eyes as tightly as you can and put your hands over them and just sit there. It should be pretty dark to you. I see a few people beginning to squirm. And right about now you're thinking, I want to open my eyes. I want to see light. So go ahead and open your eyes. What did you feel during that time of darkness? Probably a lot of discomfort. We don't like the darkness. It is not our native state. Whenever we're plunged into darkness, immediately we get uncomfortable, our senses are on guard, we are expecting something to happen that we don't want to happen. Um, we, it is not where we want to be. And that is why the, our ancestors, as soon as they discovered fire, they started having torches to light up that darkness. Early people were very frightened of the dark because they could not see anything. They could not see threats that were out there. They could not see if there was something waiting to jump on them. It was very, very uncomfortable. I think it is interesting also that our, our natural pattern of sleep is to sleep when it is dark. We hibernate. We go away. So we don't have to face the darkness. It's, it's just not natural. And when we look at light, um, light has many characteristics, but mostly it is an illuminator. It lights up and it chases away the darkness. But the darkness is still there. As soon as you close your eyes, you lose the light. You don't see the light anymore. So light illuminates wherever it is. But just because we closed our eyes and couldn't see the light for a while didn't mean the light wasn't still there. The light was there waiting for us when we opened our eyes again. So light and darkness exist together in a balance that was created
created by the Lord at creation. Light was the first thing created by God. It says, out of darkness, God created the light. Um, He knew that life could not exist without light. Everything that we know would die if there was no light. Okay? Plants depend on the light to do photosynthesis, which feeds them and keeps them going. Animals depend on the light. There are a few animals that are nocturnal that come out at night, but most animals prefer to be out in the day, like us. They like to be out when they can see the threat to themselves. Um, Trees. I think it's very interesting. Trees always grow up to the light. You know, I had a a naturalist tell me this, and I, I... have been watching to see if it's true, and I haven't found an exception yet. But if a branch gets bent down to the ground, so it's pointing downwards on a tree, unless it is snapped off or cut off, it will eventually upright again, righten itself up to the light again. So that's why you see these trees with these funny branches that go like this. Because the tree needs that light to survive. Okay, if we didn't have sunlight, we would lack a lot of vitamins that we need to live on. So light is a sustainer as well as an illuminator. It sustains life. It keeps life going. In its absence, everything dies out. So it is an illuminator. It is a sustainer. And over time, light has come to mean to us goodness. Because it does good things for us. We feel good when the sun is out. Okay? We feel good sitting in the light, basking in here. We associate light with good. The early people, and this goes back very, very far back, associated light with good. Light was good, and therefore darkness, because it was not light, must be evil. So that association of light with goodness versus evil has been around for a very, very long time. So light is also a symbol of what is good and right in the world. Now, we've heard the term before where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And we've often heard the the saying, well, that means he lights our way. He, you know, guides us through life. But Jesus used it in a much broader tense in speaking to the Pharisees. And that's what we're going to focus on today, not so much the leading along our way, because we've all heard that sermon many times. But what else did he really mean when he was saying, I am the light? Well, the most obvious thing was he was saying that I am God. This is the first time, really, where Jesus came out and said that he was one with God the Father. Now, this was a big deal because 
To the Pharisees, this was blasphemy. No one said that they were God. There was only one God, and no one could be from God. They could be sent by God, but they couldn't be from God. And Jesus comes out and he announces, I am God. And that is because they believed since God was good, God was light. Now, I wanted to share with you today a story that's very personal, but it exemplifies this idea of God being light. When I was 18, I had a surgery, and I almost died. I started bleeding on the table and nearly bled out. And during that time, I had what is called a near-death experience, where I rose from my body into total blackness. And it was totally black. There was no light. It was the darkest dark that I had ever seen. And I was very frightened because I thought, where am I? What's out there waiting for me? This is not a comfortable place to be. And I began to look around, trying to catch something in my eyesight. And far off in the distance, I saw a tiny pinprick of light. And somehow I knew I had to make my way to that light. So I began moving to the light, and it got brighter and brighter and brighter until it totally filled up everything. The light was everywhere, and it was so bright that it hurt my eyes. And I knew, I knew in my soul that that was Jesus Christ meeting me at the gates of heaven. There was nothing else that could be that bright, that light. And I felt enveloped in that light. I felt safe. I felt loved. And I was ready. And then his voice said very gently, It's not your time. You must go back. And I was pulled back. Now, ever since that time, I've never had any doubts in the existence of Jesus Christ. I have never had any problem seeing him as the light. Because when I came face to face to him, that's what I saw. Light. A bright, bright, warm, inviting, loving light. And so when Jesus says, I am the light, to me that means he comes in the light. That, you know, to our mortal eyes, we can't see him because the light is so bright. But that's what he is clothed in. He is bright and he is light. And John in his first letter, he writes, God is light. He doesn't say God comes in light or God is like light, but God is light. So when Jesus says, I am the light, he is telling us, I am God, and you have seen me. So he's making a very strong statement to the Pharisees. And, of course, as we expect, would expect, they immediately got very upset. And they said, your testimony is not valid. 
you can't say that. That's a lie. You know, that's out overtly, that's what they were saying. You are lying to us. Now, Jewish law did say that in a case of law, two witnesses had to testify to the truth, or it wasn't the truth. One person couldn't just testify about the truth, and it could be taken as true, because one person can always slant it any way they want to. But if you get two people, you get two different sides. You get two sides, and if they agree, then it must be true. And so they're telling Jesus, you know, you say this about yourself, you have no other witnesses here. No one else is standing up saying that you're God. So you're, you're lying. You're lying to the people. You're lying to us. They were very incensed. And Jesus replies to them that they don't know him, that they are blind. His light is valid because God the Father testifies with him, and there are two witnesses. Now, this kind of brings up a question that a lot of people ask. How could God come in the form of Jesus and still be up in heaven? If God is one, how could that be? Well, if you think about light, if we say that God is light and we accept the proposition that he is light, think about light. We take a bright white light and we can split it into different frequencies. Look at a rainbow. The light comes down through the sunlight, through the raindrops, and it splits into the colors of the rainbow. Those colors are all together. You don't see blue over here and red over here and orange over here. They're together. They're one entity. But they have different frequencies. They have different characteristics so that we see color. There's still one light. Still come from the same source. Well, that's the way I see God. I see God as being able to take a piece of himself, to split off a piece of himself and place it in a baby in a manger. I see God as being able to take off a piece of himself and put it into each one of us in the form of the Holy Spirit so that we carry his light with him. But it does not diminish his oneness at all. He is still the light. We are just seeing different frequencies, if you will. We're just seeing different parts of that light. White light is made up of all the colors. It can always be broken into a different color. It depends on how you're looking at it. it depends on what you're seeing at the time. And so I see that, that God can show himself to each of us in different ways without diminishing his oneness in any way at all. And to me, that's how I explain the Trinity. That we are just seeing different frequencies or different sides of God. It doesn't mean that he's three distinct gods out there. It just means we see different sides. 
We see different things, and that's what he meant for us to see. Well, we've talked about how until this time, the people really didn't have a personal relationship with God. Their relationship was purely through the rabbis and the priests. And God knew that he was this far-off figure. And so he came in the form of Jesus. He gave us a piece of himself in the form of Jesus that we had something that we could see. Okay? I can't see. When I look in the sky right now, I can't see any purple. But it's there. All we need is a few raindrops in the sky, and I'll see purple. It's there. So he gave us a piece of himself that we could see him. And he didn't, Jesus didn't say, I am all of God. He just said, I am God. Because he was. He, he was what God is. But God is so much more than what we just saw in Jesus. Jesus is just one aspect of God. God is greater. And so he's saying, he's in his own way, is trying to explain to people that he is God himself. He is a side of God that man had never seen before. And now he was here. And because he was here, he brought goodness, he brought life to man. Now, we know that there was always light and dark. So it wasn't that he brought the sunshine suddenly. But suddenly, while Jesus was in this world, there was goodness that was present. Goodness lived here for a while, for a peace. Um, He also meant, when he said, I give you life, was reminding us of the fact that without God himself, We have no life. Jesus said, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. And every one of us should be able to say that. I came from God, and to God I shall return. It is because of God that I have life. I didn't create myself. My parents didn't create me. It was God that created me. And when my time here on earth is through, it's to God I'm going to go back to. So he's saying, you know, I gave you life. I am your source of life. And then he went on to tell them that whoever believed in him should never die, but shall have eternal life. So he's saying, not only did I give you physical life, but I gave you life eternal. I gave you spiritual life that will last forever and ever and ever, if you will but believe in me. He doesn't ask a whole lot. He says, all you have to do is believe that I am who I say I am. And you will be with me forever. Well, this incensed the Pharisees even more. Because a lot of them, especially the Sadducee side, 
did not believe in eternal life. They believed that when you passed, that your soul went to this kind of never-never space called Shoal, and that you just kind of hung out. That there really wasn't a life after death. And so for Jesus to say, believe in me and you'll live forever, was like, come on. you got to be kidding me. We've all seen dead bodies. They aren't living. Who do you think that you are? And they actually, in the scripture, they say, who do you think you are? Well, they just couldn't see him at all. And he ends his discourse by saying that. You don't know me. You do not know me. And you can never know me. You will never, ever see me for who I am. And I kind of picture that being with a little tinge of sadness that he says that. Well, that, you know, you'll just never get it. Well, this is kind of an ouchy point for people. You know, Jesus time and time again says that, you know, those who God gives him will be with him. Only those who God gives me. Who God gives me, I will never leave. But there's that little clause there, who God gives me. Means that there's some that don't make it. And we don't like to think about that. We like to say, well, what about the really, really good people who just didn't believe in God? Well, there's some out there. What happens to them? Well, I believe that it isn't God saying, you can't go to heaven. No matter how good you were, you can't go to heaven. What he's saying is, if you can't see my light now, you never will. You will not be able to see my light ever. Not because of anything he does to block the light, but because their eyes are closed. Just like when your eyes were closed, you couldn't see the light above us. Not until you opened your eyes and made yourself aware of the light did you see the light. And there are some people that never open their eyes. There are some people who... Through their, the rebelliousness of their spirit, the hardness of their heart, maybe the circumstances of their life have left them bitter and sour. You know, how could a loving God allow these things to happen? There must not be a God. They refuse to see the light. And God says, if you can't see it now, you never will. Okay? So... What does this mean to us? Well, it doesn't mean that we have to sit and worry, gee, have I seen the light? You know, if you hadn't seen the light, you wouldn't be sitting here this morning. But what it means is that we need to open ourselves up. We need to be willing to accept the impossible. We need to be willing to see God 
in every aspect of our life. That's what the light reveals to us. If we are walking in the light, we will be able to see every aspect of God in our lives. I will see God in getting me here safely this morning. Any of those cars could have gone out of control and crashed into my car and taken my life, but they didn't because God was with me. Okay? And God is with every one of you here right now in this moment. If you'll open your eyes and your heart and look. And so we're called to seek the light, to look for the light, to be aware of the light. That's what openness is. Because once you see the light, you won't turn away. Just like none of us would seek to live in a hole in the ground with our heads covered up uh, with blankets, we seek the light. And once we see the light of God, we never want to be without it. And that's what brings us home for eternity. That hunger, that desire to be in the light of God forever. So if Jesus came here cloaked in darkness and and lived in the shadows and skulked around, he probably wouldn't have had a lot of followers. His work wouldn't have been able to be accomplished. But he came as light to light the way for all of us. So, in conclusion, I'd like to end up by encouraging all of you to keep your eyes open. Don't walk around with them shut, walking around in the darkness, but keep your eyes open. Look for God, because he's there. You only have to look. So always look. Always be aware. Let God's light flood every aspect of your being. You know, if you see something in yourself that you don't like, that's God's light shining in your darkness. That's him saying, you know, you need to work on this. We need to sweep out this darkness so my light can permeate and can take over that little corner of your life. So don't be afraid when that light shines on something that's a little uncomfortable for you. Because that's God's way of saying, I want to fill that corner with my light. So be open to that. And then next, let that light shine from yourself. Jesus gave a parable about how no one lights a light and then puts a bushel basket over it. Okay, once you get that light and it's filling you up, you need to let it shine. Be proud of who you are. Do not be afraid of being a Christian. Do not be, as Robin said, don't be afraid of people being mean to you or laughing at you because you say you're a Christian. Let your light shine. And the darkness will not overcome it, as John said in verse 5 of chapter 1. The darkness cannot overcome his light unless we take the basket and we put it over.